It's not every day that an Australian model, a British actor and an American pop star find themselves embroiled in a love triangle. So what exactly happened between Miranda, Orlando and Justin? And how the hell did all their paths cross? Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Michelle Andrews. Sarah McDonald. How are we feeling? You know, this is not something I actually expected us to be doing on Scandal, mostly because this story was something that I hadn't really thought about until you brought it up to me and said, should we do this? Yeah, look, I was a massive, massive Miranda Kerr fan as a teenager. Not that I'm not a fan now, to be honest. I don't really – she's not as much on my radar now that I'm an adult. I feel like as a teenager – particularly early teen, I was really obsessed with Victoria's Secret. The idea of the modelling world was like super fascinating and glittery to me. And Miranda Kerr was my favourite model. And I think I had this huge interest in her life and her career. So I followed this story as it unravelled back in the late noughties and kind of early 2010s. Yeah, it's the kind of story for me because I reckon a lot of people will see the title of this episode and be like, wait, what? It is the kind of story where you said to me, should we do this? And I thought, God, this rings a very subtle bell, but not a big enough one for me to really remember what happened. Going back through it, it is quite a funny story. Quite juicy, I think. And we'll get to this and you guys will see this unravel as the episodes go on. It's the kind of story where you go, surely not. Like, surely there is not a story here. But then there are details where you're like, why has that happened if there's nothing here? Exactly. And I think it's the other thing where, especially in about 2012 when this story was really playing out, Miranda Kerr and Justin Bieber just seemed like they were from entirely different worlds. We have a young teenage pop star and he was really young. He was 18. We have Miranda Kerr in the prime of her career. They just seem like different people, different worlds, different ages, different heights. different everything. So them crossing paths is a very intriguing story and it's one we can't wait to tell. For now though, we're going all the way back. We're actually going back to Miranda Kerr's childhood because if we're going to set this thing up, we might as well do it properly. Exactly right, guys. We are rewinding to the year of 1983. All righty, Mish. So Miranda Kerr was born in Sydney in 1983, but as we know and as is very central to her story, she was raised in the small country town of Gunnedah in New South Wales. I did a bit of sort of map looking because I haven't been there. Map looking. Map looking. (laughs) And it is a town that in the 2016 census recorded a population of 9,726 people. So a really, you know, relatively tiny town. It's kind of north west-ish of Sydney and this is, as I said, from my map looking, (laughs) kind of as north as Port Macquarie but inland, which is all just to say there's not a great deal around. No. Now, Miranda is the daughter of Therese and John Kerr. Her mother was 17 years old when she gave birth to her, so quite young. She also has a little brother, Matthew. In an interview with the Daily Telegraph in November 2007, Miranda said her childhood was pretty unpretentious. She said she raced motorbikes, rode horses on her grandmother's farm, and I quote, it was a very grounding thing to grow up in the country where there wasn't any pretentiousness and no one really cared what you were wearing. You could just be you. So her family later did move to Brisbane in Queensland to allow Miranda and her younger brother to experience city life. So this was kind of for the last couple of years 
of her schooling. Now, it was around this age that Miranda was dating one of her first ever boyfriends. His name was Christopher Middlebrook. And when he was 15, he was very tragically killed in a car accident. This was in 1998. Miranda and Chris had actually been dating for two years by the time he was killed. She was 16. And I imagine this would be a very formative experience. Yeah, absolutely. In an interview with the Daily Telegraph, Miranda said, although we were only young, we had both talked about spending the rest of our lives together. I felt as if my heart had been ripped out from my chest and I didn't know what to do. Chris's death taught me that the people who touch your life are always with you. It taught me that I have the choice to be grateful for the time I had with him instead of dwelling on losing him incredibly, incredibly sad. Yep, very, very sad. She also spoke to Netta Porter's The Edit magazine in 2016 about this and she said, when my first boyfriend died, I was 16 and it was really a turning point. I was depressed and went to a few therapists and then I realised the only person who could help me was myself. I mean, incredibly young to be dealing with grief like this. Yeah, and at the same time, so I mean, we just spoke about the year of 1998 when Christopher died, but at the same time as she's going through that grief, Miranda is also kind of wading through this new life as an up-and-coming model. So she was already two years into the modelling industry when the death happened. She was actually scouted in 1997 at the age of 13 when she was entered into the Dolly model search. Do you remember this model search? Oh, yeah. I remember being at, like, shopping centres when it was going on and Mm. walking past just, like, gaggles of young girls who were all doing it, being of the same age, being like, oh, my God, I could – I. I I wish I could. I wish I was. (laughs) What gets me about this model competition is that according to Miranda's mother, Therese, she tried to sabotage Miranda's entry and tried to make sure that Miranda didn't win. (laughs) I'm a bit confused about this story. I'm not sure what is going on. But the story that the Kerr family tells is that a friend went to Therese and said that she wanted to enter, you know, Miranda to this modelling competition. And so Therese gave her a few different photos, but ones that she didn't think were particularly the best. Yeah, this is a quote she gave to media at the time. I didn't want her to be a model, so I supplied photos of Miranda that showed her crooked teeth. She has gorgeous teeth now after years of wearing braces, but I thought it might put the judges off. I'm struggling to believe this wholeheartedly because if Miranda was like, this was a photo of her with crooked teeth and it was a few years ago, There's a very big visual difference between a 13-year-old and maybe a 10-year-old. Like, they wouldn't buy that. They'd look at that and be like, that's not a 13-year-old. I think when we learn more about what the reception was to a 13-year-old winning this competition, it makes a little bit more sense as to why the Kerr family were a little bit cagey as to how Miranda, understandably cagey, as to how Miranda was entered. Because they didn't want to look like they were throwing her into the spotlight, if that's what they did. I mean, Mm. they never said that that's what they did. But the thing about this was when Miranda kind of got to the final stage of the competition. She was flown to Sydney alongside five others and it was just weeks before her 14th birthday. One of the other girls, fun fact, actually happened to be a 14-year-old by the name of Abigail Cornish, Abby Cornish, the now very famous actor. Yeah, exactly. So basically what happened at the time is Peter Chadwick, the founder of Chadwick Models, spent an entire day looking at 3,000 photos that had been sent in by various teenage girls, readers of the magazine. He would then select the six finalists, Abigail Cornish and Miranda Kerr were amongst those finalists. And then the Dolly readers would vote and choose the winner. 
Now, part of the prize for winning this was that you'd be put on the cover of Dolly magazine. Miranda, of course, ended up winning. She was on the cover in this kind of beige, tanny coloured cardigan. Her hair was out. She was looking doe-eyed at the camera. And this sparked, including the images inside the magazine, sparked outrage amongst parents and politicians. Yeah, and this is kind of what I was touching on before because when Kerr won this, local media, and I quote, expressed concerned outrage at her age. And the controversy basically raised concerns about the glorification of young girls in the fashion industry. It also kind of raised questions about what we should be doing with young girls who are modelling, what we should be dressing them in. And it was really bizarre. I mean, how's this? At the time, then Howard Government Minister for Women, Jocelyn Newman, accused the magazine of, and I quote, using a child to send sexual messages to teenagers. Some media outlets also claimed that her dolly shoot, which did include images of her in a bathing suit, constituted a form of pedophilia. Yeah, look, it's interesting commentary. One thing I will say is that I think Dolly Magazine was very much to blame for this critique in that the cover that Miranda was on, the photo of Miranda herself was pretty innocuous to me. Like it did look like a teenage girl. It wasn't very promiscuous or anything like that. But the headlines around her were incredibly, incredibly adult. One of them was fun ways to burn fat fast, which is wild that Dolly Magazine was telling 13-year-old girls that they need to be burning fat at all, let alone a way to do it as quickly as possible. It also had a headline, and I quote, win an intimate night with Brad, referring to Brad Pitt. Now, that again is wild. Why are we communicating with teenagers in that way? No wonder why people looked at this cover and went, this is entirely inappropriate. I totally agree with you. I think one thing that in prepping this episode and the next one, we are realising more and more, particularly when we're spending a lot of time in the past doing scandal, is why we feel about our bodies the way that we do. Because I'm looking back at the messages that we were fed, fun ways to burn fat fast when I was 12. Like there is no way any woman our generation is going to escape that. And it's really, really hard To see. And so I do kind of agree with you. I think maybe the outrage was double pronged. It was, yes, Miranda, you've got this 13, 14 year old girl in a bikini, and what do we do with models of that age? But also look at the text that we're wrapping the cover in. Of the press at the time, Miranda Kerr did say, in the media at the time, they were trying to cling on to anything remotely to do with pedophilia. Dolly is a magazine for teenage girls, not old men. And I was fully clothed doing a winter shoot. They just made something out of nothing. Interesting. Now, what's really interesting about this quote is it's really hard to find the full spread anywhere, obviously, because this was a print magazine. There are some reports at the time saying that in one of the Dolly magazines around this Dolly competition, there were images of Miranda in a baby suit. She is speaking very specifically about the shoot that was done after she won it being a winter shoot. I mean, I feel like it's all kind of semantics at this point, but the point was she was young and people had an issue with that. Yeah. Alarmingly, according to a profile Miranda published in the Daily Telegraph in 2016, she got stalkers like 
older men were stalking her after this magazine came out to the point where her parents had to install security systems at their home because of the persistent calls coming to their house of men desperate to meet a then 13-year-old or 14-year-old Miranda. According to the Daily Telegraph again, Therese Kerr said at the time, it's terrible for a little girl who is frightened out of her wits, adding that she wished she had never entered Miranda into the competition to begin with. She said, people have turned something beautiful into something nasty by putting adult perceptions on a young girl's dream. That is so intense. Mm. So intense. So it wasn't really until after Miranda had finished school in 2000 that her career really started to build and started to explode. Once she had sort of won that competition and finished school, she signed to Chic Modeling in Sydney. And she really did become like the Aussie girl next door, the ultimate Aussie girl next door after she'd finished school and was able to work properly. I mean, she was working for brands like Billabong, Tiger Lily, Roxy, One Teaspoon. These what a throwback. Were, these were it at the time, weren't they? And she was like the kind of Aussie surfer chick gal at the front of it all. Absolutely. In 2004, so four years after graduating high school, Miranda moved to New York to live full time and that really kicked up her career another notch. She appeared in an American Elle, Harper's Bazaar, as well as Australian Vogue. She also appeared on the Italian cover of Glamour magazine in October 2004. And that's when things really started to gain momentum. Yeah, it's really interesting looking back as well, because one thing that you notice is how much models that weren't big were put on covers as opposed to what happens now with magazines. Like models were very much used in a way that I feel like they're not used as much today. We far more buy into personalities, be it actresses, singers, whoever it might be for the covers of magazines or ambassadorships. But at the time it was models. Yeah. It's also like social media stars now, I guess at a time when we didn't have that, models filled that hole. And I think as we were doing this research, I also figured out models personalities were also put at the forefront more often like lots of profile pieces on models that we simply really don't see anymore yeah I totally agree with you so by 2006 this was kind of the big year for her breakthrough she actually starred in a Pharrell music video for the single number one and that same year she signed a contract with Maybelline and is chosen as a spokesperson for Victoria's Secret so I think that Maybelline contract and the Victoria's Secret contract were seminal. Huge. So the hype for Miranda back home was expectedly massive as well. I mean, we've always been known for Elle McPherson as one of our biggest modelling exports. I think there was a lot of hype thinking that Miranda was going to be the second coming, which she was. Yeah. And I also think, you know, what Australian media is like, anytime anyone from Australia makes it big overseas... We love to claim them as our own. I mean, hell, we claim Naomi Watts and she doesn't even claim us. Who else do we claim? (laughs) Russell Crowe. Yeah, Kiwi. (laughs) But we will try to claim anyone. Now, there was a really interesting article in the Daily Telly in November 2007 where it kind of points to, yes, Miranda was making it huge overseas, but back home, how is this introduction to Miranda Kerr? Best known in Australia as the face of Portman's (laughs) Kerr is set to become an international phenomenon. Industry insiders have already tipped her as the next Elle McPherson, describing the 175-centimetre model with sapphire blue eyes and trademark baby dimples as the ultimate girl next door. I remember those Portman's television ads. I remember thinking, like, that woman is gorgeous. And I remember her biggest deal back here being the Portman's ads. I don't remember the ads, but I definitely remember her association with the brand. Like, I think I definitely remember her being up in store. Mm, So the weird thing is, is that 
I guess we kind of came to know Miranda as a Victoria's Secret angel, but she really was already working with the brand quite closely back in 2007. In that same Daily Telegraph article in 2007, and shout out to the Daily Telly because they had a keen interest in Miranda Kerr from the <laughs> earliest of days. And it really helped this research, we're not going to lie. It really did. They actually interviewed a photographer named Russell James who had recently shot with Miranda and he gave some pretty curious quotes. He said, There are three things that mark Miranda Kerr as something special in the modelling world. Unlike some of her beautiful colleagues, she has an effervescent personality. People want to be around her. She's fun on a shoot. And she's not stupid, which can be a very annoying trait among some models. She's outstandingly professional and she always turns up to the job in a great mood. I'd place her in my top 10 alongside Giselle and Heidi Klum. Yeah, so, (laughs) I mean, these quotes, there is so much I want to unpack here. Firstly, calling all models dumb. Secondly, trying to give Miranda all these compliments and then saying she's just in the top 10. Like, imagine if someone said that to you, like, you're such an incredible friend. You are at least in the top (laughs) 10 of my friends. Now, at this point, demand for Miranda was at an all-time high. At this point in her life, News Corp journalist Alyssa Blake wrote, this is the first weekend break Kerr has had in almost two years. Her career is maintained at a breakneck pace. In the past two weeks alone, she's been working in Australia, Mexico, the UK, US and St. Lucia and the Turks and Caicos Islands in the Caribbean. Mm. Now, looking at this sentence, I mean, it just feels bizarre in a world where we're (laughs) recording this where people can't really fly anywhere. And I've just totally forgotten a world where people lived their lives on aeroplanes. Yeah, same. And that amount of just constant travel, like Miranda was saying, she rarely spends two days in one location before she's flying off somewhere again. Before the internet, I mean, I know the internet was around back then, but before we were so hyper-connected and you didn't have to travel across the world to be somewhere, it was just a totally different lifestyle for models. In 2008, Miranda signed a six-figure deal to be the new face of department store David Jones. We know that back in Australia, that is, again, a pretty huge deal. She was earning an estimated $3.5 million US Every 12 months at this stage, Forbes placed her at number 10 on the list of the world's top earning models. And she was working really, really hard. I think her work ethic was something that news publications were commenting a lot on at the time. In a 2009 interview with Grazia, she said, I work six days a week, 15 hours a day, and that's not a joke. I'm generally in two different countries a week. And anyone else who had my schedule would probably fall apart. To be honest with you, it's really, really intense. People don't realise the extent of how hard I work because they just see it as glitz and glamour. At the same time, I am so grateful for it all but it doesn't give me a lot of downtime. I mean, she's not lying. If I probably had that schedule, I'd fall apart. I hate to say I would definitely fall in a heap after like even the faintest whiff of that kind of schedule. So she has a point. Guys, we are going to take a break. After the break, we need to introduce you to someone very important to this story. His name is Orlando Bloom. But first, a word from today's sponsor.
Mish, before we actually get to the point where Orlando and Miranda meet, and we're not going to give a full backstory on Orlando Bloom, but there is a kind of little mini scandal from Orlando's <laughs> childhood that would be remiss of us to not include in an episode called Scandal when we're introducing Orlando Bloom. Very good point, Zara McDonald. So per the New York Times, I will read from an article that they published. Born in Canterbury, England in 1977, Orlando Bloom came to show business with an unconventional background. His father, Harry Bloom, was a famed political activist who fought for civil rights in South Africa and died when Orlando was four. The boy was brought up, along with his older sister, by his mother, Sonia, and a family friend, Colin Stone. But when Orlando was a teenager, his mother revealed that Mr. Stone was actually his biological father. Yes. So in an interview with the Chicago Tribune, Orlando Bloom said this, Harry was a professor of law and considerably older than my mother. She desperately wanted to have children. My father, who was one of Harry's top students, was very close to Harry and to my mum. I think my mother and father ended up having an affair which led to me and my sister, Samantha. Before he died, Harry said to my father he wanted him to look out for my mum and for us, and he has. Interesting. Imagine. I couldn't. In another interview with Details Magazine back in 2007, he said, think about that. Think about finding out when you're 13 that your dad is not your dad. It's like, okay, take it on the chin and keep going. No choice, really. Yeah, good on him. So apart from his unconventional family situation, Orlando Bloom also struggled with dyslexia as a child. So he really did struggle in the classroom and in like stereotypical conventional education formats, which really pushed him to try and find himself outside of the classroom. So his mum, in an effort to boost his confidence and self-esteem, enrolled him in acting classes. Now, he clearly was like a duck to water because he loved it and was very, very successful at it. He eventually joined a youth theatre and then very quickly after was getting professional roles. So he got roles as a teenager in Casualty and Midsummer Murders. Yeah, and two days after graduating drama school, he was cast in Lord of the Rings in 1999. So this was a quick rise for Orlando Bloom. He was just 22 years old at that point. Now, Lord of the Rings took up a lot of his life between the years 2001 and 2003, and it was mammoth for his career, as you can obviously imagine. I mean, he, he blew up almost straight away. Yeah, so in 2002, he was chosen as one of the teen people, 25 hottest stars under 25. He was also named People's Hottest Hollywood Bachelor in their 2004 list. This was his golden era, right? Like he was absolutely at the top of his game. After all, in 2003, Pirates of the Caribbean came out, which was again huge. He had this knack for signing on to franchises that were not only going to give him stable work over quite a few years, but were just bananas in terms of how big they were. He was named the 12th most influential person in the UK in a 2004 poll of cultural experts conducted for the BBC. Also in 2006, Orlando Bloom was the most searched male on Google News. As of May 2007, he had appeared in four of the top 15 highest grossing films of all time. I had totally forgotten how big Orlando Bloom was. He was massive. I mean, I remember loving him as like a young teen. I think I had forgotten that. I was like, of course he was this big. We were all obsessed with him. I was, I remember being obsessed with him, but it's so funny because he hasn't worked in high profile films very much since. And I think that's been a really conscious decision of his. 
but we haven't seen this from him in like 15 years. But he was the biggest actor in the world almost. It's kind of like he got all his good jobs and all his good working in six years and after that he didn't really have to work much. Like he's definitely still in the public eye. But he's not anywhere near in the centre of the public eye as he once was. Now it's at this point in his career and Miranda at her career where she's sort of just starting to work for Victoria's Secret that they meet apparently backstage at the 2006 Victoria's Secret fashion show. So here's two people coming together at the absolute top of their game. Yeah, so they were actually first photographed together a few months after the show. The show was in New York in 2006, but the first time paparazzi got shots of them was in March 2007. Now, this is a weird story again. Miranda and Orlando were papped looking at apartments together. So speculation was kind of rife as to whether they were officially dating and looking to move in together. But then the story took a very, very weird turn because reportedly at the time that Miranda was papped with Orlando looking at those apartments, she had a boyfriend at the time who was very much not named Orlando Bloom. Yeah, his name was Brett Tooten and he was a model. And how is this passage from the Sydney Morning Herald in April 2007 as written by local journalist Andrew Hornery? So much for this week's tabloid beat-up about Gunnata-born New York-based model Miranda Kerr and her alleged new boyfriend, the actor Orlando Bloom. Kerr tells the New York Post she has not left her boyfriend, diesel model Brett Tootin, for Bloom. Images of the two beautiful Kerr and Bloom beamed around the world, the accompanying story claiming the two were apartment hunting in New York together. Turns out the whole thing was a publicity stunt set up by the press-hungry property developer building the flats. So... Suddenly reports surfaced after these pap photos were taken that this was nothing more than a publicity stunt. Yeah, this passage by Just Jared really piqued my interest too. He updated an article with this update. Miranda Kerr is denying she and Orlando Bloom are an item after websites in brackets mine exclamation mark (laughs) exclamation mark speculated from recent photos that the two were looking for an apartment together. Turns out their outing was a publicity stunt set up by Atelier Condo Tower. The building has offered apartments to celebs including Lindsay Lohan to generate buzz. So We have these photos of them together. All of a sudden, it's discarded of as a publicity stunt. But by October that year, so I don't know, four or five months later, they are linked up again. Yeah, and they're reportedly dating. On October 18 that year, 2007, Orlando Bloom attended the Victoria's Secret Fee Beta? Is that how I, I say it's Fi. I hear Fi a lot beta of um, pink party. It's this, like a sorority. Yeah, thing. it feels super sorority. I'm really sorry for butchering that pronunciation. <laughs> in Beverly Hills, in order to support Miranda Kerr. Now, at this point in time, Miranda, as we said, had just become a Victoria's Secret angel. He was high off the success of Pirates of the Caribbean. Them coming together was huge. Yeah, and we were trying to figure out, like, apart from both having huge public profiles, which you would naturally bond over, like it's a very big similarity and rare lifestyle to share, we were trying to figure out what else bonded these two? What do they relate to each other on? And we think it might be Buddhism. So Orlando Bloom converted to Buddhism around 2004 when he was actually dating Kate Bosworth. And we know that Miranda was definitely a Buddhist at the point when she met Orlando Bloom. Now, according to that 2007 article from Daily Telegraph, again, 
She told the newspaper that she used to chant every morning and night for 20 minutes, practice yoga, meditated and read widely on spirituality. She said a celebrity life can be very fast paced and it can be hard to find meaning in it. I believe that everybody is looking for the answers, but the answers are within ourselves. Buddhism feels right for me. As a quick aside about this, it is hard to know how long she was Buddhist for because definitely reports around the time they met points to the fact that they were both Buddhist at the same time. But she did tell the Daily Telegraph in 2014, I am not Buddhist, Orlando is. I am Christian, I pray every day, I meditate every day and I do yoga. I am not religious, I am spiritual. And praying is something my grandmother taught me as well. To pray and be grateful, have gratitude is a big thing for me. I mean, hard to know, but definitely reports at the time were that these two were Buddhist and I would not be surprised at all if their lives kind of intertwined because they had very similar ideas about the world. Yeah, so weirdly enough, after the October 2007 reports that Miranda and Orlando were together, in November, she was spotted with another man. So she was photographed on a date with billionaire oil heir Brandon Davis, who actually happened to be Misha Barton's ex. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so the Just Jared article on this is quite strange again. Just Jared wrote, Victoria's secret angel Miranda Kerr leaves the boutique in Diavolina in LA on Monday night with her arm wrapped around oil heir Brandon Davis. When Kerr spotted paparazzi, she broke off and walked the other way. Now, this dynamic of Miranda, Orlando and Brandon Davis would not stop and would continue well into 2008. Yeah, so according to People magazine, in April 2008, Orlando was meeting Miranda's parents at Catalina's in Sydney's Rose Bay. So we're back in Australia, we're home, it feels nice to be here. Feeling very local. And they made their first public appearance in April 2008 at the races in Randwick. Yeah, so he meets her parents, they go to the races together. I guess it's like their celebrity couple debut in the public eye. But then, interestingly, by July, things were off again. So according to Marie Claire, in July 2008, Orlando Bloom ended his relationship with Miranda Kerr. And this is a quote from their piece. The Australian beauty is said to be seeking comfort in the arms of her former flame, oil heir Brandon Davis <laughs> following the split. US magazine In Touch Weekly claims Miranda and Brandon, who recently split from another Australian model, Cheyenne Tuzzy, was spotted canoodling at two New York hotspots in recent weeks. So Brandon Davis comes back into the four. Again, I think what I didn't know about... He's like second string. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know, though, or didn't remember for sure. I was probably too young. How on again and off again this relationship between Orlando yes. and Miranda was at the start. By November, though, they are back on. So what we're going to call that seven, eight months after they made that really public debut at mm. Randwick. And they are now batting away speculation that they're engaged. Yeah. So they're back on, very, very quickly back on and all of a sudden very, very serious about each other as well. In 2008, Miranda Kerr did tell People magazine that Orlando was, and I quote, a sweetheart and that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, there are very few quotes on the record from both of them about each other on this time. Like they really didn't try to talk to the press too much about their relationship. What's really interesting is by December 2009, reports actually did surface in Woman's Day of all places <laughs> that the two were engaged during a trip to Morocco. Now, what is curious about this report is normally most people would say, okay, well, how often are Women's Day telling the truth? 
But her brother, Matthew, was actually the one quoted for this article. He is quoted in this December 2009 Women's Day report as saying, he has finally done it, Orlando has proposed, they're getting married. (laughs) This is so weird. It's weird. Because... It ended up coming out that that wasn't true or that Matthew wasn't supposed to speak to the magazine? No, well, apparently they weren't engaged at all. Both Miranda and Orlando came out and denied it. Matthew came out and said apparently he was upset because he was misquoted. I mean, I'm not entirely sure how you misquoted when you're talking about a sibling's engagement. Like, he's finally done it. Orlando finally hasn't proposed. Like, how are you? I I do not understand. A really dodgy phone connection going on for that to be misquoted. Yeah, it's a confusing story, but what we do know is that it didn't take much longer after that for the two to actually become engaged. By June 2010, news broke that they were finally actually going to tie the knot. Yeah, this was a report from New York Daily News. Australian supermodel Miranda Kerr and her Hollywood beau Orlando Bloom are set to walk down the aisle. Bloom's publicist today confirmed the pair are engaged. They are engaged, the spokesperson <laughs> told the New York Daily News. I love this shit where it's like they're engaged. Anyway, we need to fill a word count. So here's exactly that reworded in a slightly different way. So at this point in time, Miranda Kerr was 27. Orlando Bloom was 33. Very interestingly, British Vogue had this line in their piece about the engagement. The Pirates of the Caribbean actor reportedly proposed to the Australian-born beauty twice before she finally accepted in June this year. Now, that report has never been confirmed, but I did find it very, very interesting in the context of that misreport in December. Mm. Like, I wonder if that misreport from Woman's Day has something to do with the fact that maybe there was a proposal, but maybe it wasn't accepted. Yeah, so maybe Brother Matthew knew of Orlando's plans, but did not know of Miranda's plans to say no. I don't know. This is us purely speculating, by the way, but it is interesting. It is interesting. And I would say that British Vogue, as a magazine that is highly connected, highly values the truth above what you might say The Sun or The Daily Mail or even Woman's Day do, it would be interesting for British Vogue to get this wrong. Yeah, I actually don't know what to make of it. It is just really interesting. The mayor of Gunnada, very embarrassingly, <laughs> tried to stir up some PR for Miranda's old hometown too, didn't he, Mish? He wanted them to get married in Gunnada. So this was from the Daily Telegraph at the time. Gunnada Mayor Adam Marshall has offered a street parade in the couple's honour with its award-winning brass band leading the way. The town would love to host a good old country wedding to celebrate a local girl made good. There is no better place to hold it, he said. The article went on to quote local couple Sonia and Steve Woodlands who recently got married in Gunnada on May 1 in a $3,000 ceremony and they recommended to Miranda and Orlando that they do the same thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Most of us will get married in, you know, if we want to get married, in pretty sort of standard places to get married like (laughs) Gunnada. But do we really think Miranda and Orlando are flying all the way back to Australia and all the way back to Gunnada for a street parade with an award-winning brass brass, brass band? So they got married really, really quickly, really quickly. It was about a month later on the 23rd of July in 2010 that news broke they'd married. They actually tied the knot during a very low-key ceremony in Los Angeles. Now, there is literally 
very few details online about this wedding. There yeah. are no photos. It's hard to glean who actually went. It seemed to be very, very tiny. And it also seemed quick because what made news very soon after they got married was the fact that she had to be relieved of duties back home with David Jones to even celebrate. So she was actually planning to be here to work with David Jones and suddenly she pulled out to celebrate her wedding, which says to me if she hasn't applied for this leave or told David Jones Mm. in advance, this is a pretty quick wedding. Pretty quick for sure. It was only a month after that. So the engagement in June, the wedding in July. July. And then in August, we found out Miranda Kerr was pregnant, four months pregnant with Orlando Bloom's baby. So baby Flynn arrived in January 2011. This was announced on Miranda Kerr's Cora Organics website. These were the very early days of her skincare brand, Cora Organics. And so you can understand why she'd want some extra publicity on the website. She posted a photo of her nursing Flynn and wrote, I gave birth to him naturally without any pain medication. And it was a long, arduous and difficult labor. But Orlando was with me the whole time, supporting and guiding me through it. I could not have done it without him. We are so happy and are enjoying our time together as a family. He is our little ray of sunshine. Thank you, everyone, for your beautiful well wishes and your lovely thoughts. I remember this very well because I do remember watching the media commentary about this statement really curiously. I mean, I was, what, 17 at the time. So Mm. it didn't mean as much to me as someone who wasn't even thinking about childbirth or babies. I mean, to be honest, I'm not thinking about them now like 10 years later. (laughs) But there was a lot of conjecture about the fact that in her first line, she did say, I gave birth to this baby naturally without any pain medication. Because as you can imagine, with childbirth, it's an incredibly personal experience. Mm. And even someone sharing their experience like that, other people feel almost personally shamed, even know that may not have been her intention at all. There's certainly something about Miranda Kerr where she does pride herself on working the hardest. Like we had those quotes earlier in the episode that she doesn't think other people could work as hard as she has or build the career that she has. And I think this kind of speaks to that mantra that she prides herself based on putting hurdles in front of herself and leaping over them. So it's probably to do with that. Yeah, you're so right. Now, Flynn was actually born with five names. His name is Flynn Christopher Blanchard Copeland Bloom. His middle name, Christopher, of course, is in honour of Miranda's ex-boyfriend, Christopher Middlebrook, the one we spoke about at the top of the episode. Yeah, of that decision, Miranda explained in her blog, Chris and I had been dating for two years. After he died, I wrote him a letter and said, I hope to name my first child after him in some way. I told Orlando and he was the one who said he'd be happy to do that. Orlando's a good guy. Yeah, it's a really sweet nod, like a really sweet nod. And I do also remember other headlines that surrounded this birth, Mish. Miranda also went on Conan O'Brien's show in 2011 and she raised some eyebrows when she said, Orlando was there every moment by my side. I mean, I never even let him go to the bathroom. Then Conan O'Brien said, that sounds extreme. You didn't let him leave. That's 27 hours. He probably had to urinate at some point. And then Miranda said, yes, he had to pee in a bottle. I made him pee in a bottle. (laughs) She drives a hard bargain, Miranda Kerr, like rejecting potentially, allegedly, rejecting someone's proposal twice before accepting on the third time 
making them pee in a bottle while you're in the labor I mean, ward. I actually think in the labor ward, anything <laughs> goes. If you are pushing that baby out, you make all the rules. That is so fair enough. Look, we need to fast forward to 2012. 2011 was, I don't want to say a non-eventful year because Miranda because very she had quickly, a baby. she had a baby and then she very quickly got back into work. She was walking with Victoria's Secret just a few months after. I think it was four or five months after that birth. But in 2012, shit takes a turn. And this takes a turn at a time in the Kerr-Bloom marriage where things seemed pretty good. Yeah, totally. So this is 2012. And I think we need to remember that Victoria's Secret, as we know it to be now, is incredibly irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. But I I mean, as much as they're trying to rebrand, they still haven't got the same stranglehold that they once had. Mm. 2011, 2012 and 2013 was Victoria's Secret's peak. This is when the show received its biggest ratings ever. It had more than 10 million people tuning in to the televised lingerie spectacle. Now, this 2012 show is where we want to hone in on in this series, right? Yeah, absolutely. We need to talk about the 2012 Victoria's Secret fashion show. Now, not just because it was a huge spectacle on the stage. You had performances from Rihanna, Bruno Mars, and yes, Justin Bieber. But we will also be talking a lot about what happened. We will also be talking about what happened behind the scenes at that Victoria's Secret fashion show. It did air in December, very early December in 2012, but it's always shot a month earlier in November. Now, this is a time in history as well when Miranda Kerr is one of the most high-profile models of the moment. It was only in 2011 that she was chosen, like given the the Victoria's Secret crown almost, of being given the fantasy bra. Do you remember (laughs) the hysteria around fantasy bras and who got to wear them? I kind of forgotten, but going back, like even doing a little quick Google search of Victoria's Secret, fantasy bra there are article upon articles of lists of who got to wear the fantasy bra every year yeah this was a hierarchy as someone who lapped up this fashion show every year there was a hierarchy you had the pink models who got to just walk in the kind of like sister fashion show the younger kind of more cutesy version then you had the models who were considered angels and got angel wings and got to walk in the major production fashion runways then you had the girl in the fantasy bra and effectively the fantasy bra girl was the girl the year that Miranda wore it in 2011 it was worth 2.5 million dollars <laughs> she joined the same legacy as models like Giselle Bunchen and Tyra Banks who had been given the honor as well in 2012 that honor was bestowed upon Alessandra Ambrosio. So you can kind of get an idea like the biggest name that year gets that bra and Miranda is about to walk in this show having nailed it the year before. Her 2012 outfit was just as memorable in my mind. Yeah, exactly. Now, Mish, I appreciate we haven't got to the root of the great scandal Mm. just yet in this episode. We know that. But what we thought with this episode is we really felt like this context about Miranda, about Orlando and about their relationship and their careers is seminal to understanding and being invested in the scandal to come. Absolutely. So at this stage in time, things are good. Miranda's about to walk in the world's most watched runway. She has been crowned easily by multiple lists as one of the world's most beautiful women, only it was that very night the filming of the Victoria 
Victoria's Secret fashion show that would have a lot of people whispering and tabloids publishing rumours for years to come. Yeah, and those rumours, well, they would also include someone else. The man, Miranda, was sashaying past on the catwalk, Mr. Teenage Justin (laughs) Bieber. Yeah, all of that to come next week. But for now, we are going to leave it there. Thank you so much, guys. It was a joy researching this with you, Zara. We cannot wait to tell you guys some of the stuff that we have in episode two. Yeah, episode two, dare I say, is a bit of a banger. There is lots and lots to come. In the meantime, guys, we will be on Instagram at Shameless Podcast and we will be back in your ears on Thursday for a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.